0: The desire of Titus Women is to invite women around the world to know Jesus as their Savior, Center, and Source. May God guide and encourage you through this message by Beth Coppage. Would you turn now in your Bibles to Numbers 32? Numbers 32. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw the land of Jazir and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place of livestock, the children of Gad and the children of Reuben came, and they spoke to Moses, to Eleazar the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation, saying, Anaroth, Theban, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Eliel, Shabam... Nebo and beyond the country which the landlord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock and your servants have livestock therefore they said if we have found favor in your sight let this land be given to your servants as a possession do not take us over the Jordan get that that's a key phrase do not take us over the Jordan you would want to stop right there and cry. And Moses said to the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, "'Shall your brethren go to war while you sit here?' "'Pardon me?' <laughs> and then he said, "'Now why will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel "'from going over into the land which the Lord has given to them? "'Thus your fathers did when I sent them away from Kadesh Barnea to see the land.' For when they went up to the valley of Eshgal and saw the land, they discouraged the hearts of the children of Israel, so that they did not go up into the land which the Lord had given them. So the Lord's anger was aroused on that day, and he swore on an oath, saying, Surely none of the men who came up from Egypt, from twenty years old and above, so see the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me. "'Except Caleb, the son of Jephunon, the Canaanite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord.' "'So the Lord's anger was aroused against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness for forty years, "'until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. "'And look, you have risen in your father's place, a brood of sinful men.' To increase still more the fierce anger of the Lord against Israel, for if you turn away from following him, he will once again leave them in the wilderness, and you will destroy all these people. Then they came near to him and they said, We will build sheep here for our livestock and cities for our little ones, but we ourselves will be armed. We will be ready to go to the children for before the children of Israel until we have brought them to their place and our little ones will dwell in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land we will not return to our homes until every one of the children of Israel has received his inheritance for we will not inherit with them on the so- other side of the Jordan and beyond because our inheritance has fallen to us on the eastern side then Moses said to them if you do this thing If you arm yourselves before the Lord for the war and all your armed men cross over the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out all his enemies from before him and the land is subdued before the Lord, then afterward you may return and be blameless before the Lord and before Israel and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you do not do so, then take note. You have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Build cities for your little ones, and folds for your sheep, and do what has proceeded out of your mouth. Now could you turn over and keep your place there, and turn over to Luke 5. Luke 5, verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that they stood by the lake of Genesaret, And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. And he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitude. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out in the deep let down your nets for a catch and simon said pardon me jesus we've toiled all night and caught nothing then key word, nevertheless at your word i will let down the net and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and the net was breaking. And they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter <laughs> saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought the boats to land, they forsook all, and they followed him. Now, could you turn to John 21? And this is very familiar at this time of Easter. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going with you. They went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. And the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said, Children, have you any food? They said, No. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. And they cast it, and they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fishes. And the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his garment and he plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in boats. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish, and bread. And Jesus said, Bring some of the fish which you have caught. And Simon went and dragged the net full of fish, a hundred and fifty-three, and the net was broken. And Jesus said, Come and eat breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him who he was, knowing it was the Lord. And he came and took the bread and gave it to him and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had shown himself to the disciples since he was raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know. In the Greek is, I have affection for you. He said, feed my lambs. Then he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know I have affection for you. He said, tend my sheep. And then he said to him a third time, he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said it to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, you know all things. You know I have affection for you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out a hands, and another will gird you and carry you. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said, Simon, follow me. And Peter turned around and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. who leaned on his breast and he said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And Peter seeing him, he said, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said, if I will that he remain till I come. What is that to you, Peter, you follow me? Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, we'd like to invite you to come to Bible study, Wednesday morning, the Fellowship Hall of Wilmore Church. And Jesus, we need to hear from you. When you come, everything's different. Now, Father, we ask today that we might not hear from anyone but you, that you may take the word that you've put together in my heart, And that, Lord, you might share it as only you can. And I pray today not one of us will ever go out of this place the same. We're asking for God to come. And there might come today, even in this hour, such an anointing, such an empowering by the Spirit, that today might be D-Day in life after life after life to say, where are you? Do you love me more than these? And it will come to the place we won't say, Lord, yes, I have affection for you. Lord, I kind of like you. Lord, I like you when you perform for me. But we would come to the place that says, No matter what we love you, I love you with all my heart, all my life, all my soul. I love you even unto death. I love you, dear Jesus Christ. Today, would you let today be a D-Day? And God, would you come? We pray the whole world is in need of Jesus and it needs for us to get radically involved in becoming women after God's own heart, world Christians, women on fire, women that have launched into the deep and have not stayed on the other side of Jordan but have crossed over into all the purposes and will of God for every single one of our lives. Holy Spirit, would you come now and break open the word? And let us never, ever be, be the same. And would you begin in me? And we pray all this in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I, I had something else that I thought God was going to share today. And in the middle of the night, I could not sleep. I believe God has put these three passages together, and I believe he wants to talk to us, and he wants to talk to us with all seriousness today, because it seems to me that in what I see of the Church of Jesus Christ and the state of the Church of Jesus Christ in America, what happened to Rudman? and the half-tribe of Manasseh is the church of Jesus Christ in America. We have stayed on the wrong side of Jordan and we have settled, not for all that God has for us, but we've said, oh, please let me just stay here. I'll take my inheritance here. It's not quite so costly. It's not quite so involved. I don't want the full will and purposes of God. I really want to set my own agenda. I like God, but I want to live for just me it's a tragic passage it's a tragic passage. And over and over again, you see in the lives of men and women and children, no one challenged to go on and launch out into the deep and go on into the full will of God and go on to become men and women that are full of all God has for them. God is looking for us today to go on and launch out into the deep. And what happened to Reuben and Gad? Reuben and Gad came up to the, to the Moab, to the side of the Jordan. And what do they have there? they had destroyed and all the people had been pushed back the Ammonites and the Amorites so that part of the land was theirs and it was good land and it was beautiful farmland and it was like Bashan which is very lovely land and so they had livestock they had livestock so it looked materially advantageous for them to live right there on the wrong side of the Jordan why push over to another side of the Jordan when right here we've got all we need for raising livestock? So they were, they were intrigued by this and they met together and said, If we found favor in your sight, we don't need to cross over the Jordan. We'll just stay right here. And then Moses said, Oh my goodness, are we running through this again? Pardon me, we have been here before. We got right up to Kadesh Barnea, the other side of the Jordan, to cross over. And what happened? the men said, it is a good land God has given us, but nevertheless, we will not go in. And he said, we don't want to do this scenario again. We've already lost one whole generation of people that never experienced all God had for them because they would not believe God. And he said, are you coming, these you two tribes to me, to say, wait, we cannot go over the Jordan. We want to stay here so you will discourage the people and another whole generation of people will be lost Because you refuse to do what God asks you to do. And know God in the dimension that he longs for you to know him. And be available for the purposes of God. And then they back down. Nine verses. Nine verses Moses lays it all out to them. Can you imagine what it would be like as a leader? Once you've you've done 40 years with this one generation, you're right up ready to cross over. Jericho's here, the Jordan's here, you're right here. Right ready to cross over. And it's like a time warp. The same scenario. And nine verses, he says, no, we've been there and done that. We're not going to do it again. Well, then they modify their tactics a little. And do you know what they say? They modify their tactics and they go, wait, wait. We're not intending not to appropriate God's purposes for our life. We will go over and fight with the others. But we want to take care of our wives and children, and we'll just set them in safe cities on this side of the Jordan. They'll be safe. Our livestock will be safe. We'll just stay here. It's a little more economically advantageous for us. We'll stay here, but by no means will we not go over with the others. And we'll go over in the others and help them to get their inheritance, but then we'll just come back and live over here. And it will be a little bit better for our children. So that that it started out base core issue is that it's a little more economically advantageous for us to stay here from our point of view. But now they modify it a little bit. It's a little bit better if we don't really go into the full purposes of God because if we do, our children will suffer. Have you ever thought that? I can't really sell out to the full will of God. I really do need to stay on the wrong side of the Jordan and not cross over because, one, it's not economically feasible, and it's not economically advantageous to go through with God. And we get sidetracked. And then another thing, well, we don't want to just have core issue be something quite so self-centered as economic advancement. So the next thing we'll say, well, really, if we, if we just take care of our families, you know, God wants everybody to take care of their families, we'll just stay here and take care of our families, go over and help the purposes of God. But we don't want to live in the purposes of God. We want to live where we want to live. And do you know what? Those are two lies straight from hell. They are two lies straight from hell because what happens at the end of the day you may have be a multi-billionaire but when you die you die and nothing goes with you and you may say well it's safer for my children if I stay outside the will of God and I tell you that is the most foolish crazy asinine trick of the devil I just came back from Budapest, Hungary and there was a couple there he has a Ph.D. from Cornell University. And he is there teaching in the Hungarian high school. Went to Intervarsity. At, went to, his daddy worked for Intervarsity. And, he, and, um, and went to Urbana and went on a trip in early 92. And, um, and three, went to three different eastern bloc nations and ended up in Budapest, Hungary. And God said, I want you to come back here. He said, and waste my Cornell Ph.D.? He said, yep. Quote, waste. And he said, well, what about my wife? She's not going to want to come to Budapest, Hungary. He said, let me take care of your wife. Are you willing to give me your Ph.D., cor- your Cornell degree, from P- your Ph.D. from Cornell? And great travail of spirit? He said, yes. <laughs> Went to his wife and said, do you want to go live in Eastern Europe? She goes, well, I don't think so. It wasn't in my game plan. He said, would you be willing to pray about it? I think God wants us back there. He wants us to go there. She prayed and she said, I'm willing to go, but what about the children? You know it can't be too good for the children. And he said, let's trust God with the children. And they went. He teaches in, in a high school in Hungary. There's a work for God that's been birthed in Hungary. They have scores of kids that have found God in military high schools that are now wanting to become preachers. They're young couples that are getting married. God is working. They've never owned a car, they just use a mission car now. They live in an apartment because they never wanted to have more than anybody else. They didn't want anything to detract from the personal presence and reality of Jesus. And what about those children that they weren't quite so sure Jesus could take care of? (laughs) Well, the the oldest daughter, they put put them both in the Hungarian schools. They are perfectly bilingual. The, gal, the little gal has finished up her tests in Hungarian, and she came out in the top of the pile. That just, just like a Hungarian. Then she took her, her SAT in the States and came out in the top of the pile and goes to America on a merit scholarship because she just didn't suffer at all. We went to the church service, and there she was playing her clarinet, helping to lead the singing. She had to, she led help there was ten kids all up there playing instruments. And they went she went out to teach Sunday school, came back to do special music, then came back to finish up with Sunday school. I mean, they are involved in ministry. And they said one of the things that people have learned who have been in full-time Christian service, the more you involve your children in the ministry that God has called you to, there's a more of a sense of we are in divine business and people are finding Jesus Christ because of the call of God on my mama and my daddy and I am involved in that call. Another young couple are there. They came from Korea. They're missionaries in Korea. They're working in their third language. They speak Korean. They work with the other missionaries in English. And then they're fluent in Hungarian. Their children are fluent in all three, like three little natives. And do you know what? They are so musical. They are like Jan. They're out the wazoo. Music. I mean, she's a concert pianist. And the thing that she said, I can't go to Hungary because of my music. And do you know where they have the best music or some of the best in the world for teaching children? It is in Budapest, Hungary, and it's at prices you can afford. So both their children are child prodigies and working in the music world in Europe because of their willingness to say yes to the full will of God. Those children haven't suffered. They are off the charts with the advantages of being international children that God has blessed and used. Now, has it come easy? every time? Have there been times they've cried and said Lord we need to go home. But they didn't go home. They persevered. The end is not yet. And God says do not believe the lie of the devil. The safest and best place for you is the full will of God. The safest and best place for me is the full will of God. And the safest and best place for our children is their parents living in the will of God. And anything else is a lie straight from hell. It is a lie straight from hell. And if you and I begin to get serious about launching over the deep and going across Jordan into the full will of God, do you know economic advantages will come? And all of a sudden you'll think, well, maybe I don't need to go and live like that. Or maybe I just need to give to missions. Or maybe I just need to give to the church. That's what they wanted to do, Reuben and Gad. I'll just give. I won't go because I don't want to, inconvenience myself or pay a price I just want to have my cake and eat it too and there will come temptations economically to you God will say I want you to do this I want you to do that and you'll say well I can't afford to do it I need to work, or he needs to work, or we need to get a job, or we... And God says, can you trust me for that? Can you trust me for that? And go ahead and do what I'm calling you to do, and trust me, and let me... and begin to see what I can do in that area. Can you trust me and walk in obedience to what I'm calling you to do? And then sometimes you'll get ready for the full will of God, and God will be drawing your heart to go someplace, and you'll get in an attachment... Or those who who are, who are not unmarried, all of a sudden, before the man or the woman God has for you is there, there will be a pseudo relationship that'll show come up, and you'll be detracted and gotten off track and begin to be in a relationship with someone that will lead you out of the will of God instead of into the purposes of God, and so that you and I need to be astute. As you get right into where God is going to begin to work through your life and use you in ways you can never believe and take you on Uncle Wiggly Jesus adventures like he's taken Mary, if you're willing. But you cut to the place and right as you're at the border to go over and launch into the deep, the enemy comes with his tricks and says, Don't do it. Don't trust him. Stay here. And do you know what happened? The first one to be annihilated were Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Message. And it's where we live. How many times you're in Christian service and you start out with kids in college or kids in seminary and you see one choice and then another choice and then, well, maybe I can just... And we don't really go on. And we miss what God has for us so that when you and I get to eternity, there will be not... There will be riches in heaven and trophies to lay at Jesus' feet. Every single one of us have souls that God has given to you and to me. And no one has the same group. And God says, when, I get to, when you get to eternity, will you come alone or will you come bearing the sheaves that I gave you? So that you come bearing people with you to bring into the presence of Jesus Christ, beginning with your own loved ones. Jesus is talking to us today. Are you willing to launch out to the deep? Are you going to settle on the wrong side of Jordan? Still go to church? Still maybe pay your tithe? But never in the fullness of knowing Jesus Christ because you and I are not following a religion. We are following God himself in the person of Jesus and we follow him out of love. And I'll tell you, there is nothing more exciting, or more fun, or more fulfilling in the whole wide world. Absolutely nothing. And He will use every gift, and every talent, and every dream inside your being, the some that you if you don't even know about. Remember when we were missionaries in Medellin? Aunt Margaret ran the big house. She, we, she had people there, and you wouldn't think anybody would come to Medellin, Colombia. There wasn't a night, there wasn't somebody, lots of people there. Do you know how she met everybody at the airport, all the women? Medellin's the orchid capital of the world. Jesus is so creative and his people are so creative. Every woman that came to visit Medellin, that Aunt Margaret picked up at the airport, got an orchid corsage. And so there we were. I was as a young missionary making orchid corsages (laughs) the night before different people would arrive. And I giggled. I said, Lord, I didn't know I knew how to make orchid (laughs) corsages. He has talents that you never even know and some you don't even have that he just uses anyway. I mean, he does things that are so sweet. You don't want to limit yourself. If I could say anything today, don't limit yourself and stay on the wrong side of Jordan. Launch out into the deep. What did Peter do? Peter in this, in this Luke 5, he's just fishing. That's what he's done all his life, just fishing. And then all of a sudden Jesus shows up and it starts here. The multitude pressed about him, about Jesus. There are 5.9 billion people. And 2.9 of them had never heard the name of Jesus. The multitude presses Jesus. And there's no room. There's no wiggle room. So he sees two empty boats, and he climbs in one of them. Now, it being with Katie Beth and four little girls in a very tiny home and hungry, where they're all in one room, and then we slept in the living room, I have a new appreciation for no wiggle room. (laughs) I had to have my devos every night in the middle of the night because there was no alone time because those babies are up at quarter six because it's light early and there's everywhere all up and all happy with their happy faces on. So uh, there was no room. They pressed him so much. There was no alone place to go. And you and you get tired of just having your depots in the bathroom <laughs> with the door <laughs> shut. And you had to lock the door, you weren't even alone there. <laughs> so what you know what he pressed. So he gets into this boat because of the pressure of the crowd. He stands in there and Simon Peter finds Jesus Christ a guest in his boat. And sooner or later every single one of us are gonna find Jesus Christ a guest showing up and making a knocking. I'm your door. And showed up and he set and he taught him. And then he turns to Peter and he goes, Launch out into the deep, Peter. Oh I love it. And let down your nets because you and I don't know where the fish are. So if we're gonna walk with Jesus in our Uncle Wiggily love adventure with him, we've got to launch out in the deep. He's the only one that knows where the fish are that are ready to be caught. And Peter says to them, pardon me, we fished all night, and you are a carpenter, and I am a master fisherman. But then he did not do what Reuben, Gad, and the first generation of Israel did. He said, nevertheless, like they did, remember in Numbers 13, the land is is with honey and milk, And it's beautiful, but nevertheless, they're giants, and we can't go in. But what does Peter do? He said, Lord, I've fished all night, and I haven't caught anything. Is your life sterile? Is there any fruit from your life? Are you fishing and fishing and working so hard for Jesus, but there's nothing to show for it? You may have been like that for 50 years. Don't be that way. One more day. And he said, Put your, at your word, I will let down my net. Nevertheless, I will obey. Did you hear me? (laughs) Nevertheless, I will obey. And then they have such a mountain of fish come in. And Jesus Christ met Peter at his area of expertise. And when he saw that supernatural deluge of fish, do you know what Peter knew? That was There were no techniques of fisherman's skill in that. This was a supernatural act of God. And in that supernatural act of God, he fell on his face and he said, depart from me. I am a sinful man. He was confronted with the sterility of his life, then he was confronted with the sinfulness of his condition, and then he's confronted with the call of God in his life. He said, "Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men." And then Peter brought those boats to land, left the biggest catch of fish he'd ever had in his life. Ladies, wasn't like God and Reuben. And he forsook all and followed him. Now, we'd like to say we lived there. But what happens in John 21? God hasn't worked quite the way Peter thought he would. And some of us may have known him in younger years and said, Yes, Lord, yes, I first bring people with you to the feet of Jesus. Or you back up and you take people with you to the jaws of hell. There's no two ways. I wish there were. But there are no two ways. So Peter goes, I'm going fishing. Who follows him? Half the disciples. And, he, and once again, Jesus comes. And in his disappointment, his distress, his confusion, his not knowing what God's doing, not quite sure he wants to go the way of the cross that he's seen Jesus go, he goes back to what he knows and what he knew. And Jesus comes and meets him and meets him not with condemnation, that's the sweetest thing about Jesus, but with an invitation. And he meets him and he says, Peter, have you got any fish? (laughs) Well, no, not any fish. Well, why don't you put your net on the other side of the boat? And the same scenario is once again, the repeat in 153. And Peter goes, I think I've been here before. And then they get down, and then Jesus goes one on one with Peter. He says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than fish? Do you love me more than your buddies? Do you love me more than your parents and your family? Peter, do you love me more than these? I want you to tend my fish and take care of what's on my heart, not what's on your heart. Are you willing? And Peter's grieved that he has to come to him, but he comes three times. And then he says, Peter, I want you to follow me even unto death. Will you follow me? Even unto death. And then Peter, like so many of the rest of us, goes, What about John? And God says, and Jesus says, Pardon me, Peter. I'm not talking about John. I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm talking about you. And ladies, what he's asking today is bottom line question. As you make decisions at the end of April, beginning of May, life decisions, are you gonna settle like Reuben and Gad? on the wrong side of Jordan? Are you going to launch out into the deep and cross over in the unknown with your agenda being Jesus Christ, no more no less, and obedience and trusting and following Him? And the key question is the same question we started out with the first day we met this semester. Do you love me? Do you love me with all all your heart are you willing to trust me with all your heart are you willing to obey me no matter what it costs with all your heart and then are you willing to move into a realm of a love relationship where you seek me God himself not my gifts that are so good not my ministry, not anything, but God himself, where you move into a love relationship, where you love him with all your heart, and you seek him with all your heart. Where are you today? Where am I today? Because the greatest things await us on the other side of Jordan. If we we will launch out in the deep and cross over. I'd like you to bow your heads in just a minute. Is there any sterility in your life? Is your life fruitful for him? Is there any sin? Have you settled the question that you're all his? Have you, did you say that to him Before? But then with the pressure of life, you've gone back to what you knew. And Jesus is kind of an addendum. He's not your life anymore. Could you say, Jesus, yes, I will love you with all my heart. I will go anywhere you send me. I will do anything you ask me to do. I will go any place you want me to go. I am available to you. I want to be all yours. Can you say that? And can you say it and mean it? Jesus, we praise you today for your presence. Oh, and we praise you for the joy of following Jesus. We praise you for the edelweiss of God that comes in hidden places to those that know Him and love Him and are all His. Jesus, we praise You. We praise You today that You want to draw us into a love relationship with Yourself, not to hurt us, but to bring us to wholeness and to make us all that You created us to be and to fill the purposes of God for our lives. The Lord Jesus You might make us fruit-producing, radiant Jesus Christians with nothing held back. And that, Lord, we will let you be our agenda. And following Jesus, the one we love, just on a daily basis, where are you taking me today, Jesus? I just want to say, yes, Lord, your will is so sweet. Your will is so beautiful. And walking with you is so precious. Jesus, today, would you let today be an I love you Jesus day in our hearts. Where we are all yours. Available for wherever you want to take us. Whenever, however. And that we would love you. Totally and completely. With all our hearts. In Jesus' name.